from the creator economy to the end of Bretton Woods and the origins of the metaverse. This is the UAE Tech Podcast Web3 edition. Tune in for cutting edge interviews on how blockchain is reshaping cyberspace, finance and culture from here in Dubai and cities around the world. So uh, BNPL, obviously buy now, pay later, um, you know, the, the essential concept of buy now, pay later is that you have some existing credit. Let's say you have a credit card, you have a thousand Durham or a dollar limit on it. Now the question becomes, how can a buy now, pay later company extend that credit, right? And so um, typically you're going to go you're going to swipe your credit card for something that's a thousand dollars and you're not going to have any more uh, funds available or any more credit available to do anything else un until you pay off the balance um same thing if you even if you decide uh, to offer uh epp options and so you you're, you're going to take a thousand dollars just like that but but that credit card gets blocked in terms of you won't but you won't have credit to be able to use so so buy now pay later essentially is saying that for that thousand if you're going to buy something for a thousand and rather than having your credit block, we'll split that payment into 333 a month for three months, right? We're not going to put a block on it. We'll pay the merchant. You can go home with a good. Um, and we will charge that credit card 333 a month with no additional fees, no, no, uh, no processing fees, no anything like that. And so the consumer really is a win-win situation, right? Amar Afif has 20 plus years in growing private equity and VC-based tech companies in San Francisco, New York, and Boston. Today, he serves as the co-founder and CEO of Cashew, a digital checkout and point-of-sale solution that allows consumers to access interest-free finance and BNPL solutions, or buy now and pay later. As the global economy faces a period of sustained economic uncertainty, we talked about Cashew's early mission, the importance of forming partnerships with banks and larger institutions, and why expanding into markets such as KSA or Oman makes the UAE an increasingly attractive destination. The cashew tree is a kidney-shaped nut, rich in oil and protein. So if you're nuts about payments, this episode is for you. Today we're talking to Amar Afif, the co-founder and CEO of Cashew Payments. Amar, thanks so much for being here today. Um, so just to kick off, could you tell us a little bit about you uh, as a person and also a little bit about your um, prior experience in PE and VC-backed tech? Sure. Uh, thank you for having me, John. It's a pleasure to be on. Um, just by way of background, I was uh, born in Pakistan. I grew I moved when I was fairly early, about four years old, moved to Canada, grew up in Canada. And then um, for the last 20, 22 years, I've been in the U.S., um, San Francisco, New York, Boston, have had the luxury of working with some great VCP firms. And so essentially, I was um, brought in by them um, as they put money into a, a, a company. So they were all tech companies, fintech, um, healthcare were sort of two of my expertise. Um, and so I did five companies um, and had four exits out of those. And so generally my role would be, you know, there's a founder who has a great idea. They've sort of hit 
Um, they've hit commercialization and now they want to, you know, raise growth capital or raise, you know, uh, private equity type capital and to really grow, execute, build on distribution and then exit the company. So I was very lucky out of those five companies, I had four exits. Um, about four or five years ago, I decided, you know, I had learned so much from these great founders. I decided to be a founder myself. <clears throat> I was fascinated by the region here in terms of Dubai and sort of the pathway to emerging markets. And that's sort of what led me to uh, the UAE and, you know, trying to bring some concepts that I knew very well in the U.S. and uh, bring them into this region. And were you always interested in kind of fintech and payments and financial technologies or were those companies you were working with spread all across, you know, different sectors? So in, in fintech, I thought, you know, um, there's such vast potential. I mean, obviously there's, you know, potential in other areas as well to me. Um, you know, coming from Pakistan, um, I sort of looked at, um, you know, how do we get the capital to the underbanked or the unbanked? Um, how do we let them have more credit, um, you know, credit options? Um, and so, again, it's not it's not the same problem in the U.S. Obviously, U.S. is much more mature, um, you know, has credit scoring um, and all that. And so I was I was sort of fascinated by, you know, how can we bring that that general concept in terms of extending credit to a mass population? And, and the emerging markets is obviously that, uh, you know, uh, countries like Egypt, Pakistan, Saudi, there's there's huge potential in terms of consumers looking for credit. And so to me, that was just a you know an, an, an area of fascination for me. It's amazing how fast it's moved. I think that is a big change. You know, with e-commerce, um, there used to be a time where just getting ordering something online, you know, and getting that de- delivered to your door. I used to be based in Jordan. Right. It was really hard to do. Now that's, you know, almost ridiculously fast, faster than it is in in the UK or the US in in many instances. But yeah, there are still, you know, I think this helps put some of your work with Cashew in context. It still can be hard at times to open a bank account, let alone get credit or a business loan. Um, And those are things, you know, that I think are going to change very rapidly in the next few years too, particularly after COVID-19, particularly after some of the experiences there. But I think it is kind of an interesting how the two markets have kind of evolved differently and have had a different historical trajectory. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, I totally agree with you. I absolutely agree with you. Um, you know, may, may, maybe on the cash side, so, you know, with that, with that thesis that, um, you know, um, as you just pointed out, uh, having access to credit. So th- that was cashew's mission, right? Is that how do we increase purchasing power for consumers? And that, that to me, you know, when I was out here, I saw that, um, you know, getting an instant loan and instant financing was just didn't exist uh, three, four years ago, right? So you're at the point of sale, you want to buy something and you want to be given options. Do I pay for cash? Do I use my credit card? Or is there another way for me to be able to finance this? And so that is sort of what Cashew's mission is to be a um, you know a point of sale finance solution with BNPL as as you know as as one of those solutions, being able to offer that to consumers in real time and giving them that extra financial flexibility. <clears throat> okay, so that's really interesting. But let's um, let's really unpack it a little bit. So, what is BNPO, um, and do you have any data or kind of anecdotes on why this credit problem is so important for entrepreneurs, uh, for users, and for the wider market in jurisdictions like the UAE? Sure. So, so uh, BNPL, obviously, buy now, pay later. Um, you know, there the the essential concept of buy now, pay later is that you have some existing credit. Let's say you have a credit card, you have a thousand Durham or 
a dollar limit on it. Now the question becomes, how can a buy now, pay later company extend that credit, right? And so um, typically you're going to go you're going to swipe your credit card for something that's a thousand dollars and you're not going to have any more uh, funds available or any more credit available to do anything else un until you pay off the balance um same thing if you even if you decide uh, to offer uh epp options and so you you're, you're going to take a thousand dollars just like that but but that credit card gets blocked in terms of you won't but you won't have credit to be able to use so so buy now pay later essentially is saying that for that thousand if you're going to buy something for a thousand and rather than having your credit block, we'll split that payment into three thirty-three a month for three months, right? We're not going to put a block on it. We'll pay the merchant. You can go home with a good, um, and we will charge that credit card three thirty-three a month with no additional fees, no, no, uh, no processing fees, no anything like that. And so the consumer really is in a win-win situation, right? That sounds great, but it also sounds very difficult to go about setting that up. So in terms of regulatory approval and the permissions you needed to bring this business model into a new jurisdiction. How long did that take? What was involved? What was the backstory to setting up Cashew? So, so um, you know, generally around the world, um, it, it's changing. Generally around the world, buy now, pay later is not as a regulated uh, product in the, because we're not charging the consumer anything. So we're not charging the consumer any financing costs. And so again, that is changing. For example, Saudi, um, you know, now has a buy now, pay later permit, so fintechs can apply for that. In the UAE, what we've done is, you know, made made the uh, the fintech office at the central bank aware that we are launching the solution. We are, you know, we provide them with updates as well. Um, and again, we we are not in the business of charging consumers, right? So we're essentially um, we're essentially, you know, uh, financing it from the merchant, where uh, and then we're uh, essentially we're we're paying the merchant and not from the consumer. So there is there is obviously um, you know regulation that I foresee happening that's going to come. It's happening in some of the other countries as well, and so you know one of the ways that we've sort of um, you know tried to mitigate that is working with a bank partner as well. And obviously, Musher is one of key um, you know key partners. And so as regulation starts to emerge, our our goal is to you know uh, work with Musher and obviously um, abide by um, any any um, any uh, I'm, I'm sorry any regulations that emerge. All of that makes sense, and I understand why partnering with a bank would um, make payments and processing and all that kind of thing much easier. So what are some of the key use cases, um, perhaps at the marketplace owner level and the general citizen user with, as you say, $1,000 on the credit card? What are some of the things they can buy or do with the Cashew app and services? Sure, sure. And I would just maybe just add, you know, the banking partner definitely helps um, uh, from a regulatory perspective. The other thing the banking partner does do is it gives us distribution, right? So banks have consumers, banks have merchants. We are fintech, we have a solution. And so being able to work with banks not only helps, you know, with with the regulatory aspect, but also helps us in terms of reach market, which means access for more consumers to use Cashew, access for, for, uh, for more merchants to be able to have Cashew. Um, in terms terms of use cases um so so you know generally when you look at the market today in UAE most most of us most of us buy not pay later companies are sort of targeting that you know that um fashion accessories clothing um in terms of you know if someone wants to buy something and just you know simply paid over three months or four months without any additional charge now that could be because they're getting their salary at the end of the month and you know or, you know early on they don't have the 
the amount on their credit card. So they would easily like to, you know, pay over time rather than, um, you know, um, rather than wait till their salary comes in. Um, or, you know, it's something simple. They're buying something that, you know, they just, for them from a, you know, it's easier for them to pay over three months rather than pay all, uh, all upfront. And so these are sort of the basic use cases where, where really where Cashew wants to focus on is, and are providing services for consumers in 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 sort of areas like healthcare, in areas like education, in areas like travel, and so if you think about it, you know if you have a course or a, you know a parent that wants to enroll their um, their son or daughter into a course and they have to make that entire payment up front. Um, what Cashu wants to do is facilitate that and be able to pay it over six months, pay it over 12 months. Um, and so that is really sort of the, uh, you know, the use cases that we're targeting to 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 help um, to help consumers in those markets, uh, whereby we can extend longer term um, and higher amount 10 years than your typical buy now, pay later players. Yeah, that makes sense. So do you have to have individual kind of agreements or APIs with all of these stores, be it an education provider or, you know, a football team or um, whatever it is, a wedding planner, or is Cashew app kind of, does it work organically with any kind of vendor? How does the, how does the kind of integration with, you know, the stores consume, consumers might want to shop at or might want to use the Cashew app at, how does that work? Do you have to have separate agreements or is it just organic? No, no, uh, we do have to have separate agreements. Um, it becomes very easy if it's an e-commerce. You know, we've integrated, Cashew is integrated with most e-commerce engines. And so to launch a Cashew, um, you know, to launch the Cashew product on an e-commerce uh, website becomes a matter of hours, if not a day or so. And from there, the consumer journey is, you know, very smooth in, in, the, in the sense that they're, they're, you know, they're looking at a good they want to buy online. They'll sort of, if they scroll over the good, they'll see that, hey, they have different payment options um, on this on this particular purchase. And as they exiting for checkout, they'll see their payment options being, you know, COD, Visa, MasterCard, and Cashew. And so it's a very it's a very easy uh, consumer journey for e-commerce. For in-store, it does get a little bit more challenging because in-store, um, you know, the last thing you want to do is that for a potential cashew customers be at checkout and you know trying to figure out how to use cashew and so the way and again uh, this is where our banking partner helps is mushrick is one of the leading acquiring banks in the in the region um, so therefore you've seen those mushrick POS devices point of sale devices at merchants and so our our you know we've completed our integration with mushrick and so what we're trying to do is have a very easy cons consumer journey whereby the the customer has either downloaded the app before they're in the store and at checkout they'll be given an option to pay by cashew and then it can easily be done through the app or through a qr code and so uh, so it's that it's that in-store journey that i think you know um uh, the partnership with mushrick and cashew will definitely help both merchants and 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 consumers as well that's really interesting that you've already got a uh, point of sale devices in stores uh it's also interesting that to begin with you're focused on uh, digital and e-commerce what about your own digital store have you thought about that or is the emphasis on working with third-party stores that are already based in the uae 
Yeah, no, for, for the time being, we're trying to um, help consumers and help existing merchants, right? And so the the, the goal right now for Cashew is to be able to uh, facilitate these transactions, facilitate these transactions, but also allow merchants to be able to sell to a consumer more and have you know have different payment options. So we haven't gone to that digital store concept yet. Um, um, it it is something that you know some companies have have sort of done in the BNPL space, but for the time being, that's not that's not on our roadmap. And what about for, you know, for entrepreneurs listening to this, um, summer audience who are very interested in this space, but are unsure about the market generally, what have been kind of the, the key, the key opportunities, the key things that you've thought, wow, this is absolutely great when working in the UA market. And also some of the challenges that you didn't expect and have since overcome. Sure. So, you know, from from my perspective, I think, um, you know, obviously, given the recent market downturns, especially in the US and Europe, um, I, you know, I think I think all tech companies are at a different stage where they were, you know, six months ago, yeah, or, definitely mm. over a year ago. And so to me, I think, you know, fintechs and other tech uh, companies, I think their strength is, you know, generally developing a great product. Right. And so I think that's what entrepreneurs should focus on in terms of developing great product developing a great solution so now the question becomes how do you roll that out to either consumers merchants whoever else that you're gonna that you're gonna um, you know that that product is gonna go to and that's where I believe you know having great partnerships is the best way to do it right and so and again as I mentioned that's what our our strength with Mustrick is they're they're helping us with our merchant acquisition they're providing us consumers now obviously the trade-off in that is that um you know you are going to work with a large institution you're going to be, um, you know, yeah, yeah, you know, there's a, a timeline gets impacted. Larger institutions move much slower than you can. Um, you're going to have to come up with a model, a business model that works, and so some sort of revenue share or something else that is, you know, in the best interest of the fintech or the tech company and the and the partner. And so those are some of the challenges that you have to go through. But I still think that's the best way to, you know, get get distribution out, get mass market out, rather than trying to go out and raise a lot of money. And and especially for those entrepreneurs like myself who sort of came from outside and don't have enough access um, in terms of, uh, you know. Uh, they don't have the access, so they're using these type of partnerships to be able to get that access. Yeah, and I mean, I guess you had great experience in in PE and VC, and you know, a very interesting profile from the US and Canada. But even that notwithstanding, there's a big kind of power differential between a guy with an idea and a little bit of capital and a bank. And you know, so when you walk into the room and you start negotiating with any bank or any large institution, whatever sector you're in, do you have any tips on that? Because I mean, that that is a hard thing to do, presumably for anyone, you know, to walk into a large organization and say, hey, we have this idea, it's a really good business case. And maybe it's a vast organization, you know, with, with multiple layers. What's that experience like? And are there any tips you can give to our audience on that one? You know, I would say that, um, you know, it's that it's it actually if you walk into that room and, you know, they're, um, you know, they're they are treating you like a small entity. That's probably the wrong partner to to be talking to. What I found is that there are large entities here and Mushrik being one of them that that acknowledge that, um, you know, that they're not the, you know, uh, for, for them, it's in their best interest to sort of find these fintech companies or find these partners whereby they're more, um, you know, Larger companies take time; their their systems are older, and so for them to compete in this market, they want to partner with 
with um, with um, you know with these with these smaller entities. Obviously, the challenge is once you're in that negotiations, you know you have to go through the whole you know vendor approval process, negotiations, legal. And so I would just say, you know, again, you it it, um, it at the end it becomes a trade off. Do I want to try to do this myself? I'm not going to use the bank. I'm going to raise a lot of money. I'm going to go after these consumers myself, or I'm willing to be patient and work through this. Um, but at the end of the day, a good product, a good product, um, you know, with the right fit, um, you know, if you find the right the right institution that's looking for that, I think I think you know, um, uh, you know, a, a win win partnership can definitely be structured. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, we have also spoken with a lot of companies that work closely with government um, all over the world. And one of the things that they often say is it can be a very rewarding relationship, uh, can work on some really unique projects. But when you're getting started, the burn rate on dealing with just, you know, the, 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 the length of time it takes to build that relationship, which can be a year to 18 months or even more in some cases, that's all time where a company is kind of losing cash flow, right? Um, and that that's a really difficult space to be in. But it seems like with most fintechs and most people in this space, that's is that something that kind of VCs and investors, you know, take on board and, and prepare and are prepared for, as opposed to other industries where you know twelve to eighteen months is really do or die. Right. No, absolutely. So I think I think um, you know that's that's it, 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 you can have a great product, but if you don't have the right team or the right backers behind you, that becomes you know that becomes very challenging. So you so you're absolutely right. Um, if if a, a company can surround itself with you know team members that have experience in dealing with these large institutions and or um, you know VCs or other investors that can help facilitate these conversations, and it's also especially because some of these agreements, as you know, even though you agree on everything, the agreement itself could take six months after that and so if you have the right infrastructure in place or the right expertise that will definitely um you know th uh, that can definitely accelerate um it, you know that that partnership i think i think banks and governments for instance might be a little bit different i know you know for instance banks are um you know being being pushed heavily in terms of competition and what's happening with uh, in their market and other fintechs that are partnering with other other banks or finance houses and so i think i think the right bank has or the right partner if they have the right incentives to move quickly um you know that will you know that will definitely uh, help an entrepreneur and you mentioned the kind of economy the global economic situation and you know at the moment there are some rumbles in, in the US and Europe and elsewhere in the world. UAE seems to be performing particularly well, but UAE has also had this kind of decade-long investment in fintech with, you know, spaces like ADGM, DIFC, mm -hmm. and other spaces coming up. Um, do you think that that is really going to help going forwards? How do you see the ecosystem maturing generally? Do you think the next few years in the UAE, in the Middle East, are going to be a time of opportunity and continued growth? Or do you think the kind of global financial storm that's going on is going to affect things here? And I remember during COVID-19, which was a very, very challenging time, I was shocked to learn that e-commerce and fintech in markets like KSA, according to a Magnet report, were getting more investment than they ever had despite, you know, a massive downturn. So to what extent is the UAE industry in, in fintech insulated? To what extent is it exposed to foreign markets? And how do you feel, you know, as an entrepreneur about the next 12 to 18 months ahead? 
Sure. So I, th- I think I think the UAE is generally, um, you know, um, more more protected um, than than some of the other markets. I think one of the advantages that UAE has is a great gateway to some of the developing markets, and so your company can be based out of the UAE. But there's a number of markets too that are that are you know um, that are ripe for expansion: Saudi, uh, Africa, North, uh, North Africa, Pakistan, uh, markets like that. And I, I think everyone would agree that those markets have a lot of untapped potential. In terms of over the next, you know, decade or so, in terms of fintech and um, and and the advancements that you know that that companies can make in these markets with uh, in 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 technology, um, obviously from a global perspective, um, you know, as as sort of investors begin to uh, look at companies differently, if you, you you can take a look at BNPL, right? So in BNPL internationally, um, most almost all BNPL companies have had significant market uh, reductions in their in their valuation. And so, you know, something like that definitely then passes through into the, into UAE as well, whereby investors will start to look at, you know, different fundamentals than they used to look at in terms of how to value, um, you know, uh, value BNPL companies, uh, compare what's happening there with um, with what's happening here. So I think I think I think there is an impact, um, but overall, I think overall, you know, uh, for the UAE, there's there's uh, tremendous potential in terms of for the next decade or so in terms of not just the UAE but some of the markets that can be easily accessed through the yeah that's interesting um so amal thanks so much for your time today before you go we uh, end the discussion today i wanted to ask you a little bit about the next 12 months so what's next in store for cashew what are the next landmarks uh the next big goals you have to reach and what are you and the team looking forward to in the year ahead sure so we just announced a major win with do um so we're going to be the device nice. finance partner for all handsets with do over time so our goal is over in the ue we'll continue to expand we have a number of mushroom merchants that are coming on board so hopefully you'll start to see cashew more and more in the ue as you walk into your stores or you buy your devices or you enroll your um you know your your kids into education um one of the one of the areas that we are focusing on for 2023 is expansion into other markets as well and so cashew will be in the saudi market cashew is also moving to the Oman market, um, and so yeah, yeah, you know we'll see expansion of cashew over the next twelve to twenty-four months as well. That's great. Well, Amara Fief, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for having me. Sponsor information: The UAE Tech Podcast is distributed by Alboaba Business, free of charge. To sponsor a single episode or a series of themed episodes please contact our editorial team or download a sponsorship press pack. Sponsors receive an article on Alboweba Business, syndication distribution on Alboweba Syndicate, email direct marketing across the region, and brand inclusion across all podcast marketing design, audio, and video formats. Alboweba is not a PR company, and we do retain editorial discretion and quality control as an independent publisher. Companies looking to support a dialogue on technological transformation in the UAE are encouraged to contact our team.